Welcome to the Funeral Fact Podcast. Our goal is to lift the veil of mystery from funeral customs and traditions for our listeners. I'm your host, Jeff Casper, and I wanted to welcome our new subscribers in 25 countries around the globe. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving us a review in iTunes, Apple Podcast, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, or the TuneIn app. And of course, you can subscribe with just one click at our website, funeralfact.com. Today, we're going to be exploring cryonics. Now, joining us today is Dennis Kowalski, the President and Chief Executive Officer of the Cryonics Institute. Dennis is a firefighter and a nationally registered EMT paramedic for the city of Milwaukee. He is also certified in advanced cardiac life support, advanced pediatric life support, and as a CPR instructor for the American Heart Association. As a firefighter and a paramedic, Dennis has had a lot of experience dealing with life and death. His training and skills have given him numerous opportunities to be a part of saving lives while helping others during great distress. Good afternoon, Dennis. How are you today? Good afternoon. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Hey, I I am just really uh, glad that uh, we were able to connect because we have a lot of listeners who've expressed it. Uh, what exactly is cryonics? And and I'm curious, though, about you. You're, you are an EMT, a, a firefighter, uh, cardiac life support in an advanced fashion. And what brings you on that path to the Cryonics Institute? Uh, well, I, uh, I got interested in cryonics. I think I heard about it when I was younger. Um, as most people, we've all heard about it in one form or another in, in uh, uh, social media. Hollywood, books, what, what have you, magazines. I think I, I heard about it on Phil Donahue, if you remember the other talk show. And uh, I do. I thought, well, that's pretty interesting subject, but how the heck are they going to bring these people back? You know, and I thought, well, but it certainly seems, you know, maybe um, like there's more of a chance than if you just get buried or, or cremated. So I thought, that's kind of a neat idea. And then uh, kind of put it out of my mind until I was maybe 18, 19 years old. And I read an article in Omni magazine about uh, molecular nanotechnology, and uh, and that's a fancy name for reverse engineering the the mechanics and mechanisms of life itself at, at the at the you know the, the molecular scale, and and trying to figure out what's going on and and uh, look at what Mother Nature has already done and reverse engineer it. And uh, I read that book uh, called Engines of Creation by Eric Drexler, and that kind of put a, a hook in me because uh, it seemed like, wow, there really is a blueprint for this. And uh, everything that was kind of predicted uh, back in the 80s, you know, with stem cells and uh, uh, the smaller and smaller uh, transistor patterns on computer chips leading to artificial intelligence, all these fantastic uh, breakthroughs in science that we would have thought it were impossible years ago are now pretty much routine. I mean, if I would have said to you, I could reach into my pocket 15 years ago and pull out all the knowledge of mankind at my fingertips, you might have said that. Maybe this guy's a little loopy, but then we have uh, smartphones and Google and oh, and just the them. iPhone alone uh, and right. Android have changed how we do uh, do our life or run our lives. Right. It's it's amazing. Right. The Internet for the vast majority of the public didn't even exist back then. So, 
a lot of, and they talked, the book actually talked about the coming of the internet in the 80s. I wish I would have paid attention and bought some stocks, huh? <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I think we've anyhow, all got those stories. Right. But anyhow, uh, so that kind of put the hook in me because there was a chapter about uh, uh, cryonics and how you might be able to actually revive people using some sort of a uh, internal stem cell repair mechanism or some sort of genetically engineered, bioengineered, hacked uh, virus, which which actually we've got uh, some of that right now with CRISPR-Cas9. Um, mm-hmm. And anyways, uh, that hooked it, that put out to me and being a procrastinator, like a lot of people are about anything that somewhat related to death, I kind of put it off. You know, a lot of people don't finish their wills or they don't, uh, uh, like I was talking to you before about, they don't uh, uh, change their life insurance policies after significant life events, um, mm-hmm. or even do funeral planning at all, for that matter. But right. um, and so uh, I, uh, I I looked up a couple of websites, found the Chronics Institute, and uh, it made sense to me. So I signed up, and uh, and uh, a couple years into it, I got more involved. Couple more years into it, I became a director, and our directors at the Chronics Institute are uh, um, elected democratically. And then um, kind of proved myself there, and I was elected within the directors group uh, as a president. And here I am now. And it just so that it dovetails with my kind of day job because I work in emergency medicine, and that's kind of in a way what we do. I mean. When most people would end a cardiac code, when someone's illegally dead, we just continue the code exactly like you would in an emergency room hospital mm. or in the field uh, with a paramedic service. And add ice and a couple other uh, uh, medications uh, to uh, inhibit clotting factors and some other stuff like that. But uh, that's how I got involved. Yeah, interesting. I, I like I said, it's always good to find out how people, because our life is often a circuitous path to wherever we end up. And um, now, when when did the uh, Chronics Institute start out? Uh, have they been around a long time? Or yeah, long before I got involved, it, uh, they started in 1976. Actually, a little bit before that, people have been talking about you know uh, some form of uh, suspension of human life you know, I mean, it goes back to the egyptians and mummification mm-hmm. uh, but um it was a lot of movies talked about ice you know ice man or um being frozen in space and stuff like that a lot of science fiction but it was uh our founder of the chronic institute professor robert edinger uh was a physics professor out in michigan who actually uh said you know let's let's actually study this and put it to uh, scientific rigor. And he uh, wrote a book called the prospect uh, of immortality about, about the whole process and, you know, what, what how it would be the best way to do it and with liquid nitrogen. And he talked about, you know, all the philosophical aspects, but then he, he actually, you know, put everything to scientific testing and said, you know what, this could work. And the book became a number one bestseller. Isaac Asimov picked it up a double day. And um, it went across the world, and he thought, "Oh no, this people are going to catch on, and they're going to start doing this." Well, nobody, nobody really, you know, they thought it was a great idea, but nobody actually put it into practice. So mm-hmm. he formed the Chronics Institute in 1976, starting with his 
mother that he put into uh, after she passed into uh, suspension, and then um, it started from there. And now we've got currently 156 um, 156 people, uh, around 140 pets, and many hundreds of tissue samples and DNA samples and stuff like that. Um, and we've got probably uh, around getting close to 2,000 people signed up for the process. So it's actually wow. growing exponentially. Slow, now, I, slow but exponentially at the same time. Well, it's slow and steady is better than overnight, um, right. you know, explosion. Um, I'm going to jump out of order uh, probably for our listeners, but you, you – uh, I, I don't want to forget the question, which is basically uh, you mentioned you have DNA samples – uh, is is the idea that maybe at some point in time people could be cloned back, kind of a thing? Or, well, that's uh, the tissue samples is a, a member benish, uh, benefit for our membership, and if they want to, you know, try to. I mean, obviously, cloning right now is is a pretty uh, um, crude science, so that's why mm-hmm. it's banned. I don't think it's banned because it's inherently immoral, but it's banned because um, the process is so crude it creates you know, a lot of, uh, you know, when they cloned Dolly the sheep, I think it was in the 1980s, I read somewhere that 200 of the sheep that were cloned had to be put down or didn't make it or, you know, were right. somehow mutated or whatever because well, the process is so crude and only that one sheep made it. And so certainly you're not, you don't want to be doing that kind of stuff with humans until you perfect the process. And, and we are getting, just like anything else, we get better eventually one time as we learn, you know? Oh yeah. So, yeah. um, so that's one uh, that's one thing that people do. Another thing they do is try to put away tissues for stem um, for future stem cell regeneration because okay. they're, um, they're they're discovering new and different ways to use stem cells to cure almost every disease and ailment in the books. Okay, so if you you put away the the uh, DNA theoretically at some point in time when the technology was there, you'd be able to uh, hopefully cure. Um, whatever disease would afflict you. That's, again, a great idea. Um, now, the number one question that we got, uh, just based on the, the listener questions, were um, we'd have people want a show on cryonics and a show on cryogenics. And and my understanding is they are not the same thing. Is that correct? Uh, cryogenics is just um, the science of freezing things or bringing things down to... Uh extremely low temperatures, so, you know, dry ice temperatures are lower, negative 100, below zero. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cryonics specifically is cryogenics, the process of using cryogenics to freeze people. So we kind of wanted to separate ourselves a little bit from all other applications of cryogenics, which could be in anything from uh, um, metallurgy or to, uh, uh, I can't even think of, you know, producing oxygen and, and, uh, steel production and other stuff like that where they use liquid nitrogen. So uh, it's used in industry all over the place. So, yeah, it's, but people often confuse the two terms. I think probably more than 50% of people actually think cryogenics is cryonics when they get confused. And even the news media picks it up and then they repeat it over and over. So I'm kind of glad you asked. Yeah, um, that, that... I mean, it, doesn't help if clear. the news media <laughs> isn't separating out. Yeah. So, so now you, you when when uh, we got about a minute before the break, um, when you uh, are 
taking someone into the program who's passed away. You had mentioned that you you put drugs and and other solutions in them so that as they cool, I'm guessing it's so that you don't have uh, ice crystals. Is that my the general thought? Yeah. Behind it? So so typically, like in in a, in a um, best conditions. You would go into cardiac arrest. We'd have some advance notice, maybe, uh, and, and that this isn't always the case. But we get to your bedside um, as soon as you're declared legally dead, because you have to be legally dead. We would start CPR as if you weren't declared legally dead, and then we put you in ice. We'd start uh, IVs, or hopefully the IVs would be left in place, and we inject heparin and sodium citrate uh, to um, make sure that there's no blood clots and keep your vascular system clear. We'd circulate that. Uh, by doing additional CPR. And the CPR serves a couple purposes. It feeds the brain oxygen and nutrients. It cools the body by circulating the warm perif- uh, central blood with the cool peripheral blood. So it becomes like a heat exchange. And it also circulates those medications that keep your blood from clotting and breaking up. Uh, then in, ideally, we do an organ preservation washout. Same uh, fluid they use for uh, uh, when, they, when people... Um, get a heart transplant or a kidney transplant and then we and those fluids would go in at very cold temperatures and then we get you rushed over to the Cranach's Institute under ideal situations where there'd be uh, someone waiting to do surgical access on your carotid arteries and jugulars and then we'd flush your system out uh, with a vitrification solution developed by a cryobiologist um, of ours in-house and what that does is protect the tissues from actually ice crystallization, freezing, frostbite, whatever. Uh, and it, it, it does a real good job of solidifying the tissues in a glass-like state. And okay. then from there, uh, we take you down to uh, liquid nitrogen temperatures and you stay there and you wait for future science to uh, hopefully wake you up. And we will continue our discussion uh, when we get back. Uh, To our listeners, please don't go away. Uh, We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Don't forget to visit FuneralFact.com where you can subscribe with just a click. Uh, Of course, I always love to hear your comments. You can get a hold of me at Jeff at FuneralFact.com and you have direct links right to our guest websites uh, as well as see what's in store for some upcoming episodes. Uh, And of course, we always love to hear your feedback and uh, get your ideas for shows just like this one, uh, because that's what uh, makes everything a success. So we'll be right back after these messages. provides essential information, in-home care, and support for seniors living with Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, and other disabling diseases. We spoke with renowned occupational therapist, Tipa Snow, about some of the myths surrounding Alzheimer's disease. Some of the myths about dementia and Alzheimer's is that people aren't trying and that maybe we should push them harder. There's a point at which the brain is dying, and so people are doing the best they can in that moment. What we could do is change how we go about it. Another myth is that it's all genetic. Not necessarily, lifestyle matters. How we live our life makes a difference. We also know that not everybody will get it. It's not something that for sure, as you age, you will develop. 
For more information on Senior Helpers, please visit us online at SeniorHelpers.com. Senior Helpers is a member of the Alzheimer's Foundation of America. We are this close. We're this close. We are this close. Of our entity to making history. This close to changing the world. We are this close. This close. This close to making sure no child suffers a crippling disease ever again. This close. We are this close to ending polio. To ending polio. All we need is you. Is you. This close. If we donate now, we may lose this chance forever. Help Rotary make history at endpolionow.org. Moore's Mission Funeral Home asks, how do you want to be remembered? I'd like to be remembered as somebody who treated people with love and respect. I'd like to be remembered as someone who brought happiness to others. I'd like to be remembered as someone who made other people feel important. I want to be remembered as the sunshine gal who was a compassionate listener with unconditional love. I would like to be remembered as a loving husband and father. I'd like to be remembered as the one that was fun and loving. How would you like to be remembered? And who will tell your story? Start to tell your unique personal story by calling Moore's Mission Funeral Home in Concord at 925-682-1100. It's your story to tell. What will be said about you? Call Moore's Mission Funeral Home at 925-682-1100. Let us help tell your story. Licensed California Funeral Home, CAFD-873. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow. But what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. We're back. Let's continue our conversation with Dennis Kowalski, who is the president and chief executive officer of the Cryonics Institute. Dennis, it is uh, great to have you on today. We are are burning through a number of questions we had. Um, And when we before we took a break, we were talking about what is uh, cryonics and what's involved with it. Um, Now, of course, I guess the obvious question is, how much does it cost? I mean, you know. How much is it going to set me back to uh, be able to preserve myself for, I guess, all eternity? Well, first, my disclaimer is that we're a nonprofit, um, and not all nonprofits are the same, of course, but we operate mostly on a volunteer basis. For the first uh, six years that I was president, I didn't even draw a salary. That's how much I'm dedicated to the, to the whole idea. And most of our people, all, all of our directors are, uh, volunteers as well. Most of the people who work in cryonics are volunteers. So where does that money go? The money is, well, first of all, we charge $28,000. There's a little sticker shock to that. But if you think about it, we have to keep someone interred for indefinitely. You know, we don't know, 50 years, 100 years. So what we do with that money is a small portion of the 28000 actually goes to transportation and 
vitrification solutions and um, we used, we have to work with the funeral services to get uh, remains from one place to another. Uh, but the, the bulk of the money goes into like an endowment fund and uh, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, uh, broad-based indexes, and it gets invested and in the compounding interest is what pays perpetual overhead taxes, salaries, um, for the few people that aren't volunteers and the building, the upkeep, the liquid nitrogen and what have you. And, and that's pretty much how it works. Okay. Now, um, how do we're also do the most affordable. Oh. We're also the most affordable chronics in the world. I mean, there's a couple organizations all over the world, but we have kept our prices the same since 1976. So, I mean, even adjusted for inflation, we've actually gone down. Hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, I think a funeral was $700 back in the, yeah. 1970s, and now it's like, I don't know, 10, 10 12,000 average. Yeah, I was going to say, oh. they, they, they haven't been able to keep their costs the same, I guarantee you that. Um, <laughs> uh, now, um, uh, do folks mostly write you a check, uh, or how do they pay for, for the Well, uh, some the do. Process? Some people are wealthy enough to do that, and they'll write checks for a lot more, too. Uh, they'll, they'll actually donate, because what we're doing is science, so... Um, if they can make uh, nonprofit donations, uh, uh, you know, we've had donations up to $100,000, and that goes to help keep them stored and the, the facility safe. But uh, a lot of people, myself included, don't exactly have $28,000 in their back pocket, so they use life insurance. And uh, if you get it when you're young and healthy, most people can get a, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you get a life insurance policy, they usually start at $50,000. Or more, so it's very affordable um, for the average person. If they don't wait till the last minute, that's the whole thing. Of, you know, everything you got to kind of um, plan and and uh, really think this out, make sure it's for you. And and uh, if you do that, there's there's a lot of funding methods. Some people leave uh, parts of their estates to us. Um, we don't really like that because it's you know then you've got possibly heirs fighting over <laughs> portions of the right. estate. So. Well, and then also you've got a cash is a little more, you know, yeah, cut. yeah, and and get it, you know, it's easier to 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 spend cash than it is a portion of someone's estate. I, I get that, especially if you're trying yeah. to run a business. Now, uh, you still have room, I presume, um, and as this catches on, do you have additional space to expand or? You know, is there oh, a finite to how many that you'll be able to bring on? Well, you know, as we get more and more people, actually, scales of economy, uh, or you said economy is a scale, I get those two mixed up. Uh, actually, it just it gets cheaper because if we have uh, one person stored in a building with all of our equipment, liquid nitrogen, it's going to be the most just about the same as if we have 100 people minus the liquid nitrogen. So, you know, 1,000 people is going to be that much more efficient. 10,000 will be that much more efficient. So as we as we grow, we actually get more efficient and cheaper because we're, we're, not, we're, we're not spending our profit. We're just investing it, and the capital gains and everything is just growing and growing as long as we invest properly and, and, and wisely. Um, now, based on what we had talked about before the break, I'm, I'm presuming uh, that, you know, you would – prefer certainly that someone would not be embalmed and if possible uh, not have an autopsy performed uh, presuming that you know they're not required to based on the circumstances of their death 
um, in order to keep everything intact. As you had, you had mentioned that when someone is pronounced dead, then you resume CPR, you, you know, uh, infuse right. them so they won't uh, have blood clots. Is that pretty much correct there? Right. That you, yeah. Yeah, well, um, just like in regular emergency medicine, time is time is important. Time is heart or muscle, they say. Time is brain. Um, the longer you wait, the the worse it is, and things start breaking down. But the colder things are, we're even finding it again in emergency medicine, therapeutic hypothermia buys surgeons' time. So if you get some CPR, you get into the cold, uh, but you still got to hurry up. You know, even at ice temperatures. Um, Things start going pretty south at seventy after seventy two hours, and mm-hmm. I don't know how much is left to save after seventy two hours at ice temperatures. So we want to get people to, in some cases, especially if they're overseas, down to dry ice temperatures, and that'll give us a couple months to get through the bureaucracy of getting a person um, across borders and, and through customs and so forth. Uh, well, but yeah, we want we want to go fast, and and we uh, we don't want <laughs> them sitting in a morgue somewhere or getting. Um, um, you know, dissected or, or whatever, mm-hmm. and and the fluids can be harmful. We've got we've worked with a lot of funeral funeral directors are uh, a network that are all over the world. Everyone needs funeral directors, so you know we've got a good working relationship with a lot of funeral directors that have used our formulas to help you know the, um, perfuse the patients with our formulas instead of embalming, and they'll oh, actually okay. use them as as an embalming. You know, we'll call it. Uh, um, um, refrigeration um, type embalming and, and sterilization because, as you know, bacteria and viruses don't uh, grow or activate very well in colder right. temperatures. And and I, I I was looking at your website and you have a, a graphic there of all of, you know, where your different members are. Um, and I that was, you answered my question perfectly because, I'm you know, it's one thing if you're at, you know, one side of the United States and to get you back to your facilities, that's pretty much doable. Uh, but if you're in uh, Ghana or Croatia or Egypt to get you over here, uh, that can take a little time. So I'm, I'm glad that there's some arrangements for that. Now, yeah, well, and there's other things. I mean, I, I don't want to be pessimistic about what we do because, I mean, I also, it's, it's, the only chance you have, I mean, if, if it doesn't work, you're no worse off than if you're buried or cremated, but, uh, there's things that can go wrong. The, under best case scenario, um, you know, you die with a little bit of notice, you know, maybe it's a terminal illness, maybe uh, something happened in the hospital, but then you can also die immediately with sudden cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where planning comes in. And, and the worst case scenario obviously would be, to die uh, uh, unplanned and unwitness situation, like you know, in, in hiking oh, yeah. in the woods, oh, and and some of those cases are pretty much lost causes, and, and we have clauses for that as as well because people can then have the money just go back to their family, so you know uh, they're not out money, or they can donate it to us or donate it to someone else or or what have you. But you know, we're actually addressing that issue too. We have uh, we're working with. Um, different uh, scientists working on uh, pulse detecting watches and Bluetooth connections to phones to give your GPS coordinates and send out a text that I, I need help. Uh, we actually have an app on our website uh, that checks on you if you're alone or if you've had a serious operation. And uh, it could send out a signal saying, hey, uh, this guy hasn't answered his phone in a couple hours and he set the app up and 
uh, he had a major surgery or he's out alone and that gives your GPS coordinates and hopefully someone can come to your aid. Um, wow. Like so, well, that, I mean, that, that is great, not just for your situation, but I, you know, I'm, I, I thinking to when my parents were alive, my father sure. was a bit of an adventurer, at least in his neighborhood. And, you know, I, I would often get calls, well, your father's tired. Can you come pick him up? And I, I was always worried yeah. he'd, he wouldn't be near someone who had a phone. So uh, uh, that alone that is app, a, <laughs> Yeah, well, that app is 99 cents. Again, we're not trying to make money. We're just trying to pay for the, the production right. of the tools. No, that is that is fantastic. Um, now, you know, you had, you'd mentioned as a, as a nonprofit and, and scientific research that you uh, folks have done, um, putting folks in cryostasis, I was wondering, are you doing anything on the other side as far as the revival, or is that to another university to figure out how to uh, revive people back once they've been in cryostasis? Well, we've worked to put donors together with um, other scientific researchers. For instance, we've got uh, uh, some researchers at uh, Oregon State University, and we've got some donors to give some money for organ preservation. Um so uh, currently, we can freeze. I mean, people have been frozen at liquid nitrogen temperatures and brought back. You just don't think about it because they were embryos or sperm oh, okay. or eggs at one point, okay. right? So small tissue is not a problem. We've been doing it for many decades. Uh, but larger tissues, right now, that's kind of the current scientific uh, holy grail in, in contemporary cryobiology where they're trying to freeze larger and larger tissues, hopefully organs. So Think of what that would do if you needed a heart transplant or a liver transplant instead of the typical 48 hours or 72 hours. You might have three months, and that would save many thousands of lives if mm-hmm. we could bank the organs in uh, freezers. So that um, the Department of Defense realized that and had granted uh, there was a DARPA project for like $50 million to anyone who can uh, actually do that. You know, so it's not easy. Uh, that science is further, you know, a little beyond our grasp. That's the whole purpose of cryonics. If we, if we could revive people today, and do every, you know, then we would be, we would need cracks to get you there. It's kind of ambulance ride to the future. Right. So it's kind of a catch twenty two. Um, the, you know, for us, we're just freezing the whole organism. So there, there's a proof in principle that that at least tissues and cells can be frozen down to liquid nitrogen temperatures. And it's just a matter of time if we figure out the right vitrification agents and so that we can uh, start reviving people. So the idea is that in the future, we'll have a lot more advanced technology. We might have AI guiding us. Uh, we might have uh, you know, genetically modified viruses that look at your DNA and look at what's going on and say, this isn't right, this is right, we'll fix this, you know, based mm-hmm. on stuff that we can't even comprehend. It's just as if, just as 100 years ago, if, if I would have said to you, you know, I, I'm going to, by pounding on people's chests and shocking them, I might be able to bring them back. It might have strung me up. <laughs> I thought right. I was Frankenstein, you know. But we do that, and we, you know. So that that's science progresses over time, and things change, and attitudes change, and and even the definition of death changes. So that's kind of where we're at. Well, of course, you look at even ten years ago, if you it, you know would have 
told me that I'd be able to get my email and make phone calls from a single device in my pocket, you know, send instant messages across the world, I would say you're nuts. And well, it's reality today. Most of us can't live without the doggone things. So uh, hopefully uh, science will continue going forward. Now, one of the questions that we had from our listeners was, uh, you know, do you have to to put my uh, entire body uh, or can you just take my head and, you know, see what we can do there? Well, with our organization, we're, we're whole body cryogenics only. Um, um, and we do not do what, uh, what's been called neural suspensions. You read about it in books and what have you. Uh, we don't, we don't do that. The idea, um, is, is that if you can repair all the tissues, not repair all the tissues from freezing damage from whatever made you legally dead and also uh, from aging itself, why can't you just clone a body from, from the head down? And what's, so what's the most important thing is your brain, the center of your consciousness, your mind, and, and all those synapses and nerves that encode your, your memories. So, yeah, that is the most important thing, but we don't, uh, we don't do that. And in fact, we're actually the cheapest whole body were cheaper than other places that do neurons. So I don't know why you'd want to choose to do right, that right. for, for um, more money. Now, as far as, is there a limit on the uh, size of person that, that uh, you can be accepted as a, as a uh, uh, member? And, and the reason I asked this, uh, the same listener had asked a question on a previous program that we had about body donation uh, to science. Um, and the Well, actually, uh, your body is being donated to that. That's strictly under the law. Your, your, your body is a donation itself to science, your whole body, your body and brain and everything uh, with, you know, two goals. One is to hopefully bring you back, but also to advance science. So, you know, we want to see what's possible and we want to advance science, including organ transplantation. So it's really, it's not just doing something for yourself. It's also doing something for humanity. Um, so is there a limit, like a weight limit on the person? Or... Oh, weight limit? No, yeah. no um, not at all. Okay. We've got big ones and small ones and young ones and old ones. And we've uh, managed to, um, you know, if we get, you know, a couple big people, we might, we'll put them in with some small people. So, because our tanks okay. are six person per tank, and that just makes oh, sense. Okay, that was uh, one of my other questions. And, yeah, go ahead. So, so you're not going to be alone uh, <laughs> in in your in your tank. You you would you would have company. Uh, <laughs> no, just logistically, it makes more sense. It, it, oh um, yeah. It, um, I mean, in science fiction, there always you know people are in their little single pods. Uh, that seems more sexy and scientific for the movies, but in reality, uh, it, everything is about uh, conservation of the cold and, and money and the liquid nitrogen. So we have basically a large thermos bottle that doesn't, by the way, run out on any electricity. There's no freezer system. It's just a thermos bottle that we fill up with uh, liquid nitrogen, and there's a vacuum in between the two walls and also insulation. So and, and we have to check those daily. We top them off or weekly, and they would last many, many months if we never even filled them up because the insulation is that well. Is that good? Okay. Yeah, so if there's a power outage, it doesn't matter because... It doesn't matter. we got generators power. and backup, and we've thought of every... We've got 40 years to think of every contingency. 
Now, one of the other questions that I thought was really interesting is, can the family come visit me? Like, you know, you would visit a, a graveyard or, or a cemetery. Um, can they come visit uh, yeah. someone when they're yeah. in stasis? We have visitation rights. We actually, you know, it's not just about science. We, you know, we understand that there's a human element to it. So we have a memorial room. We have uh, set up tables and couches. It's, it's real nice. And we have large screen TV and we can play uh, like a uh, film of their family and uh, like a memorial um, oh, type of excellent. So, so we try to address that and we have like a visitation rights for people if they want to come in and so, yeah, because otherwise it would be just a little too cold and scientific, I think. Yeah, and and uh, because of the time factor, you really, you know, they you want to, and I'm sure the family wants to get them into cryostasis as quickly as possible. And so oftentimes that might make for a, uh, uh, a tough situation, not being able to have a memorial or or. Um, Whatever yeah. would be and some people there. and some people will still have a funeral, you know, uh, mm-hmm. obviously empty casket and go through the whole um, pageantry of a funeral just to for the living to say goodbye and memorialize the person. So uh, I've talked to many funeral directors who've done that, too. So it just depends on what your wishes are and what your um, financial situation is. Well, Dennis, we are up uh, against the end of our time together. I want to thank you so much for spending part of your day here with us. Um, again, Dennis Kowalski, who is the President and Chief Executive Officer of the Cryonics Institute. Um, I think today has just been a, a fascinating discussion. Um, and you will find a link to the Cryonics Institute website uh, at our website, which is funeralfact.com. Uh, of course, I want to hear from you. I love getting uh, listener comments. And you can always get a hold of me at Jeff at funeralfact.com. And I want to thank you, our listeners from around the world, as we continue to grow in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, the Google Play, Music Store, Stitcher, and the TuneIn app. Uh, Make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Go to FuneralFact.com, and you can subscribe with just one click. And also, you get a sneak peek on what's coming up uh, on some of our other episodes. And uh, like I said, I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to email me at Jeff at FuneralFact.com. Until next time, this is Jeff Casper wishing you great days and good luck. Broadcast is copyright 2017 Casper Media. All rights reserved.